Not only the vigil of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary here on Saturday night uh, in the Sunday, but also uh, 50 years ago today, Bob and Am- Evelyn Manabaugh were married. Uh, were you, where were you married? Were you married here? They're married in the great city of Angeles. So that's where I'm from, if you don't know. So that's why it's the great city. You know, all two houses that are there. So, but, uh, so it's a great honor to ha- have them here as well and to celebrate their 50th anniversary on the, the eve of uh, the Assumption of our Lord. Remember that the Assumption of the Lord is uh, one of these celebrations, one of these Marian feasts that we celebrate that actually is kind of a later development of doctrine uh, for us as Catholics. And so it was in 1954 that Pope Pius XII uh, proclaimed this feast day um, or proclaimed this doctrine to be a dogma of the church. Dogma is something that is unchanging. So we have the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, the dogma of the Trinity, the dogma of the things that we proclaim in the Nicene Creed, and the dogma of the Assumption. There's only two times in history that a Pope has actually proclaimed a dogma uh, in, from his, uh, with his papal authority from the throne, and that is for two Marian feasts, actually. The Feast of the Assumption and the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So it's a beautiful thing in which we are able to celebrate this. The thing about this, uh, this feast that we celebrate or this, uh, um, solemnity that we celebrate is that it's actually not in scripture. And so we as Catholics, of course, uh, do believe in scripture, but for us to have the fullness of who we are as Catholics and understand fully who we are, we actually have kind of a, a three legged, uh, Stool, in a sense of, of theology, we call it milk stool theology, and some some people have called it. Where we have scripture, which is one of the legs of that stool to hold it up. Then we have the uh, the tradition of the church, that is the second leg of that stool to hold it up, and then the magisterium, which is the third leg uh, to hold that stool up. The magisterium is the teaching authority of the church, and so through the magisterium, the teaching authority of the church, uh, we bring forth the tradition that has actually been believed for uh, almost 2,000 years, but it was never proclaimed as a dogma. So Pope Pius XII, in his proclamation of this dogma, actually sent out a request to the bishops to say, would it be good for us to proclaim this as a dogma? There was a resounding yes from all the bishops throughout the world, and thus it was proclaimed a dogma for the building up of our faith. So the, the way in which we come about this, this dogma of the faith, actually, our, our readings uh, in some way do help us understand that. And so uh, the readings from tonight and the readings from tomorrow, we'll talk about a little bit about all of them. So we have this theme in our first reading today of the Ark of the Covenant. If you remember the Ark of the Covenant, that is the, the golden box that Moses had built uh, that was uh, specially built and actually God gave the prescriptions as to how the ark was to be built. And it had two cherubim on top of it, uh, which are angels. Then it had a drawer for the jar, and it had a jar of manna that was kept and retained in the Ark of the Covenant. It had the two stone tablets of the, of the law of God that were also in it. And then it had the staff of Aaron. The staff of Aaron, which, which struck the rock in order to bring forth water. The staff of Aaron that, that led the people that actually struck the Red Sea for the Red Sea to part. 
And, and so it was the staff of Aaron that actually bloomed to show the life that was coming from the law of God and the leadership of Moses and Aaron that, that would lead the people of Israel. So this is the importance of the, the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the other thing that we sometimes forget about the Ark of the Covenant is that when it was placed into the temple that Solomon built, when they dedicated the temple and they placed the ark in the Holy of Holies in the temple, there was this cloud of the presence of God that came and dwelt in the Holy of Holies. That dwelt, surrounded the Ark of the Covenant, that dwelt kind of in the midst of the cherubim in that Ark of the Covenant. And so the beauty of God's presence among his people was constantly there and was constantly known by the Israelites as they had the Holy of Holies, they had the Ark of the Covenant and God's presence there. And so what we have in, our, in the first book of Chronicles tonight is actually this story of David uh, uh, going and getting the Ark of the Covenant. It says, they brought in the Ark of God and set it within the tent. Remember, it wasn't David who built the Ark, of the, who built the temple. It was Solomon who built the temple. And so the Ark dwelt in a tent even while David had a, had a, had a, a house. Had a, had a castle. Um, it says they burnt offerings, peace offerings. When David finished burning, offering up all, all the burnt and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And so they carried the Ark of the Covenant into the tent of meeting when they went into Jerusalem for its permanent home in, in, in which the, the temple was eventually built. Now, why would we ta- be talking about the Ark of the Covenant on the, uh, the solemnity of the Assumption of, of Mary? Because the presence of God dwelt in and around the glory cloud, in and around the Ark of the Covenant, and overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant. We've heard that word before when the angel Gabriel came to Mary at the Annunciation and said, the the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive of the Holy Spirit. And so just as the cloud overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant, the cloud, the Holy Spirit's presence overshadowed Mary and she conceived. She conceived. And just the, as the Ark contained the presence of God, Mary contained God himself within her, in her womb. And Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law of Moses, uh, represented by the Ten Commandments, and with the bread of life that we consume, Every time that we go to Mass and we are able to consume the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. And He is the fulfillment when, this, when the staff of Aaron blooms and the miracles and the, and the authority of God is shown forth from that staff. Jesus is that authority by which God's power is made present in this world. And so Mary is this new Ark of the Covenant. Some of the other ways in which we see Mary is the Ark of the Covenant, the golden box. That was the, the, old, the Ark of the Old Testament. The Ark traveled to the house of Obedidim in the hill country of Judea in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1-11. through 11. Mary traveled to the house of Elizabeth and Zechariah in the hill country of Judea, probably even the same path some scholars believe, in Luke chapter 1, verses 39. So as the ark went to the house of Obedidim, Mary went to Elizabeth's house, bearing God within her. Dressed as a priest, David danced and leapt in front of the ark in 2 Samuel six fourteen. John the Baptist, who was of priestly lineage coming from Zechariah, leapt in his mother's womb at the approach of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 41. 
David asked, how can the ark of the Lord come to me in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9? Elizabeth, asked, Elizabeth asks, why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me in Luke chapter 1, verse 43? David shouts in the presence of the ark in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 15. Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry in the presence of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 42. The ark remained in the house of Obedidim for three months. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11, Mary remained in the house of Elizabeth for three months. We hear in Luke chapter 1, verse 56. The house of Obedidim was blessed by the presence of the ark. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11. The word blessed is used three times. And surely the house was blessed by God in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. The ark returns to its home and ends up in Jerusalem, where God's presence and glory is revealed in the temple in 2 Samuel 6.12 and in 1 Kings 8.9-11. Mary returns home and eventually ends up in Jerusalem, where she presents God incarnate in the temple in Luke chapter 1, verse 56 and 2.21-22. So the covenant, the ark of the covenant itself, the golden box is a prefigurement of the true Ark of the Covenant that is to come, who is Mary in the New Testament. Now, inside the Ark of the Covenant, I already spoke about the stone tablets of the law, the Word of God inscribed on stone, the body of Jesus Christ, the Word of God in the flesh. And Jesus tells us that, we, that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. The jar filled with the manna from the wilderness, the miraculous bread that come down from heaven. The womb containing Jesus, the bread of life who comes down from heaven. The rod of Aaron, the budded to prove and defend the true high priest, the actual and eternal high priest of Jesus Christ, is in the womb of Mary. And so Mary is this fulfillment of the Ark of the Covenant. But still, why would we still be talking about the Ark of the Covenant? It makes no sense to be talking about this at the assumption. First off, I should go back and clarify, what is the assumption? The assumption is different than the ascension. We celebrate the ascension 40 days after Easter when Jesus is taken into heaven. The assumption is when Mary, the mother of Jesus, body and soul is taken into heaven. We don't have any bodily relics of Mary in this world. We don't have a tomb. We traditionally don't celebrate going to the tomb of Mary. Mary was taken body and soul into heaven at the Assumption. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. It was in, it was all, there was all kinds of uh, gates and stuff in the temple. The Holy of Holies was towards the back. Only the priests could go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priests could go into the Holy of Holies. The earthly temple, the Holy of Holies, was a kind of replica or an analogy of the true temple that was in heaven. God gave instructions to Solomon how the temple was to be built. And so just as in the earthly temple, the Ark of the Covenant is within the Holy of Holies, in the innermost sanctuary. So too, when John says, in, in the book of Revelation, when John says that he saw the temple open, what he's really seeing is the doors of the temple open. And so John, when he writes about this in the book of Revelation, looking in to the temple, we hear that the, that the uh, 
that the, that the, the cloth is torn in two, separating the Holy of Holies from everyone else, so they could see all the way into the Holy of Holies. And so what John is saying is he's able to see all the way into the Holy of Holies. And what he sees in there is the ark within the temple, the physical temple here on earth. That's what we think that John is saying. But it's not the earthly temple that is seeing that he's seeing. It's this temple. He says this new Jerusalem comes from heaven to earth. And he says there's this temple that he sees. And so as soon as John sees the ark and the temple in heaven, all of a sudden we have the image that switches. And now we see a woman. So we're going from Revelation chapter 11 to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 11 to Revelation chapter 12. So it's almost as if these two images in 11 and 12 are superimposed upon each other. And so as John sees the ark and the temple in heaven, the images switch and he sees this woman in heaven. And it's something that happens frequently in the book of Revelation where John will sometimes use two symbols to describe a reality. And scholars have often suggested the ark and the woman are just two ways of talking about this one reality. Now, if Mary is the true Ark of the Covenant on earth, at the Annunciation, the Holy Spirit overshadows her like it overshadowed the Ark, and God begins to dwell in her in Christ. Then when John sees this mysterious apocalyptic vision of the Ark Ark in heaven, and of a woman who is the mother of the Messiah and who's wearing a crown of 12 stars, she's a heavenly queen. Since ancient times... This vision has been interpreted as a vision of Mary in heaven as the mother of the Messiah. And not just as a mother, but as the heavenly Ark of the Covenant. If Mary's body is the dwelling place of God on earth, if Mary's body is the true Ark of the Covenant, then it's fitting that at the end of her life, that body, that sacred Ark, would not remain on earth in a human grave or a human tomb, but that it would be taken up to its rightful place in the heavenly holy of holies, in the heavenly temple of God. So that's kind of why we have these images that we use for the Feast of the Assumption. That's why we talk about the Ark of the Covenant on this Feast of the Assumption, because it's the Ark of the Covenant that is in the holy of holies. When John has this vision, there's a vision of the apocalypse, of what he sees as heaven, he sees the Ark of the Covenant. He sees the, the slain lamb. And the Holy of Holies is in the physical temple here on earth. Is in heaven as well as it should be. Where it belongs. And so we do believe that Mary's body and soul were taken into eternal life. And that Mary sits at the right hand, sits at the right hand of Jesus. And she intercedes for us. And just like in the Old Testament... All the queens, the queen we normally think of as the spouse of the king. Well, in old in the Old Testament, it was actually the mother of the king that was the queen. Because oftentimes kings had many wives. And so Mary is the queen mother who intercedes on our behalf to Jesus. And so we go to Mary. We pray to her for all of our petitions. And we ask her to take them to Jesus, that Jesus may grant our petitions here on earth.